Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Today. Craig Malawson and Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. How are we doing today, Danny? Doing all right, buddy. How are you guys doing? Ah, you know, tired, um, disappointed, but at the same time, uh, we were playing in June and most teams weren't. Oh, we've never had a home game in June, so we got three of them, and that was that was pretty sweet. Yeah. It's still – it's always – I don't care how many times you do this. It's always sad when it, when a season comes to an end. So, oh, for sure. Uh, the good news is we're – what are we, about under 90 days to football season? <laughs> I'm sure that's not what you wanted to hear. I'm sure you I, need a break. I, I will take your word for it. I know we're under a hundred. I just assumed uh, nine around all right, around ninety, under a hundred. So and that's yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. So well, let's get let's get on to baseball. Uh, unfortunately, no Sunbelt Conference teams playing still. Future Sunbelt Conference team uh, playing, but uh, kind of like when Coastal won the national championship, they're not ours yet. So uh, they're still Conference USA team in, in Southern Miss, but. Speaking of Coastal Carolinas, let's get into their regional over in Greenville. Um, you know, four games or five games, five games for them. So the most out of any team. A little surprised that uh, they were able to come back, I guess. But out, out of all the teams that we talked about it, they kind of had the most pitching depth. So you kind of expected that or? Well, they, they messed it up again when they went – Van Scooter got beat in their first game, really the first time he had been knocked around all year. And then they went Jonathan Blackwell for that second game, almost as if they were just hoping to outslug and get out of the loser's bracket. And then they had Knorr, and then they had Parker. Parker threw an outstanding game to get them the winner-take-all game seven yesterday. And – East Carolina just had too much offensive depth. Bryson Worrell is one of the top players in the country. He's been known for a few years, and we've actually seen him in Statesboro. We had that home and home with East Carolina in 20 and last year. He's one of the guys that's a holdover from the successful teams they had the last few years, and he's the linchpin now. But for him to, I think, earlier in the regional go, homer from both sides of the plate in the same inning, he hits a triple yesterday. He hits the pretty much the, the nail in the coffin, three-run home run late yesterday to get them into the Supers again. And Billy Godwin, who used to be the coach there, he and Cliff Godwin get confused all the time. We had Billy Godwin down here this weekend. He's the coach at UNCG now, but Cliff Godwin, who's been rumored for a number of jobs with the success he's had there, taking, taking their spot in the Supers again, he has done an incredible job with that program. I wasn't surprised that Coastal was able to do what they did because of how well they played despite going one and out in the Sunbelt tournament. But you always like to see a conference team put up a good showing in a regional. I wish that somebody would have gotten to a super because I think we all had our chances, but for coastal and Texas state to get the closest, it, it was nice to be able to watch some baseball yesterday. You know, Virginia, they, they played Virginia and they went one-on-one against Virginia, but Virginia is an ACC school that quite frankly, the ACC is pretty strong this year. I mean, so that, I, I think that's an awesome showing for the Sunbelt conference. And I'm going to wait till the end. We're going to talk a little bit more in general about baseball after we cover the four regionals and talk about the, if necessary, games a little bit, a little bit in general there. But uh, 
but yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought the, the Sun Belt was well represented uh, this this weekend, and I, I don't think anybody embarrassed themselves. You know, uh, and well, no, you think about how three of the four teams won their first game. Everybody won at least a game. Texas State won their first two games, and they were within a sniff of getting to a super for the first time ever. Now, I can bring up Georgia Southerns in a little bit, but the experience of just having it here and then what Ty Fisher did in that first game, it's going to go down as one of the best performances in program history. Well, you, you mentioned Texas State. Let's let's jump right into that because uh, I said we'll talk a little bit more in general about the Sun Belt Conference and the future of baseball here. But Texas State had their opportunities, like you said, one up, uh, 2-0 uh, in that regional. And quite frankly, had their opportunities big time. Yeah. For, for them to bounce back after ending their long winning streak against the Cajuns in the semifinals, you always wonder how people are going to respond. You knew the one-two punch of Wood and Wells was at least going to give them a chance, even though they were playing the number two national seed. And I think they got slighted a little bit having to go out to Stanford. I think they deserved a better draw than that, even though they almost did win the region anyway. But then to lose that third game with Tony Roby pitching, so you're wondering, okay, who are they possibly going to go to for that winner-take-all game. And I'm thinking, okay, the midweek guy has been Travis Sundgren for much of the year, and I texted with Brand Freeman a couple of times, wondered what they were going to do, and he said, you know what, I, I haven't talked to Trout yet. So it, I mean, as far as I know, it might be Tristan Stivers. Who knows? I said, yeah, okay. And he, he sends me a message back a little while later and said, yeah, it's Stivers. I said, you're, you're serious. So to, to say your – I know he threw a lot of pitches against ULM earlier this year, but to say your closer is going to get the start in a winner-take-all game, then he throws seven innings, one run, nine strikeouts. That's that's unheard of. And then they go back to their two number one guys. I call them both number one guys because anybody would be happy to have them with Wood than with Wells. So they had guys that had been exhausted for a while go back and give what they could. They just didn't get enough. Didn't get enough in the end. Stanford was the home team, and they got the final three runs. You know, you, um, you mentioned they got slighted, and I, I agree with you. I thought they would have been sent to Oklahoma State. I didn't think they were going to go to Texas, even though the Texas is the closest. They played Texas twice in the season, if not three times. I forgot which now. I think just twice. But I thought Oklahoma State. Would that have been a, a team, though, the way runs were being scored up there in Stillwater? Would that be something for Texas State to have been there? Been there? I mean, th those games might have ended 50 to 40, like, a, like an Oklahoma State football game. Well, they'd probably still be playing. Point <laughs> to look at, but we got word they were playing what Missouri State and they were down twelve nothing. So okay, good run for the Cowboys. Whatever, come yep. back and win twenty nine fifteen. You score twenty nine of the last thirty two runs in the game. That's one game. It's just, I mean, that's that regional alone is the reason why runs are up all across postseason baseball. But for whatever reason, the ball was carrying there and teams just kept scoring. It is is Stanford. I've got my opinion, but you're the guest, and that's why I'm asking the question. Is Stanford is there a little is there a little less uh, shine on them because of what Texas State was able to do? I mean, a quote unquote Sun Belt team. It's easy to say that, but baseball is so much predicated on if you've got somebody that can pitch, you make every play on defense, and you just score one run. Anybody can beat anybody. Now, the people in Stillwater are saying, well, all you got to do is score 34 runs and anybody can beat anybody. But if you've got somebody that can throw strikes, 
a defense that makes plays, and an offense that can score one time. That's all it takes is one run in baseball. You only need one run to win a game. It just so happened for Stanford, it was the walk-off run after they got the three in the bottom of the ninth, even though Texas State got two in the top half when Faison had the single to center field. You're thinking, okay, Texas State's going to do this. All they need is three outs, but then they go homer, homer. They get a couple more guys on. You get a wild pitch, and then you get the game-winning single. You like to say that the top-tier teams in this country should just dominate everybody, but it's all matchups. We talk all the time about basketball. Basketball is matchups. Somebody can dominate somebody else, but if you've got an inside guy that can't be guarded or you don't guard the three very well or you're not good in transition, anybody can beat anybody. Football is the one where you've got to be physical. If, if you lack physicality, you're going to get found out eventually. And it's going to be really tough for you to win. Some teams are fast. Some teams are ball controlled. But if you lack that physicality up front, it's going to be awfully tough for you to beat anybody. But with basketball and baseball, it it sometimes is a coin flip, regardless of what the ranking is or not is, depending on who's playing each other. Well, and and I agree. I I think Stanford is a really good ball club. I've seen them play live uh, against the Cajuns. I just think Texas State is a really good ball club. And them going one and, uh, you know, losing out to the Cajuns in the, in the conference tournament uh, is not a reflection, but it's a reflection on playing a single elimination tournament versus a double elimination tournament, quite frankly. So we don't know if the Cajuns would have been there in the double elimination tournament, but Texas State, uh, Coastal Carolina, and Georgia Southern would have all been in regionals, no matter what happened, and I truly believe. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, Stanford's a good ball club, and, and so is Texas State. So don't I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody. I just want to get your opinion without leading you in a certain direction. So, but, uh, man, they came so close. I, I'll be honest with you, I did not stay up. I was still exhausted from getting back from College Station on Monday, and that just wasn't happening for me. I think I was in bed at 930. So There's nothing wrong with that. So, no, there wasn't – last night there wasn't. It did make me wake up about 5.30, so I came out here and started working on my day job. So, uh, but good. Um, Cajuns TCU uh, – Cajuns TCU. Cajuns in the College Station Regional um, face TCU in, in two of the three games. Um, what – what? I mean, I know you guys are watching. I'm – you know, talking with Jay and, and some of our games were at the same time, but at other times, you know, you guys will, which we'll get into later with the rain out and everything or the rain delay, or uh, I guess it was technically a rain out because you played the next day. So um, what, what did you see out of all that? Well, welcome to weather in Southeast Georgia in the summer up. Just tell that now to Red Raider fans, to Spartan fans and to fighting Irish fans. And congratulations to Notre Dame for getting back to the Supers. I wish them the best of luck in Tennessee. And I think there's going to be a lot of Notre Dame fans trying to take down the juggernaut. But we did get a chance to follow a good number of the other games with the teams from our league that were in it. And we had a six hour delay between the first contest with Texas Tech and Notre Dame, and they ended up having to mess up their pitching, so they lost their top starters and had to pick their way through it after waiting for so long. But both of those guys came back later on, and for Texas Tech, they had a chance to beat Georgia Southern and knock them out, so it worked out well for them. And for Notre Dame, they ended up winning the the Super Regional bid in that last game because of it. But watching 
watching Louisiana get up early and then the effort that Bo Bonds puts in out of the bullpen and the Georgia Southern saw him in the championship game, how capable he was because of how dominant the fastball can be. And I know analytically it's one of the best fastballs in the country, but for him to give that kind of effort and you burn him for the weekend, but it's okay because you, in that format, you got to get the first one to give yourself a chance. And for him to do that, that was that was a pretty remarkable thing to watch. Very similar to how Stivers came back and started last night and gave Texas State a chance to win that region too. You know, it, it was a game. I know. I know the the score ended up. Uh, I thought the. I should say I thought I felt like the the Cajuns really were in control of that game, even though it was a seven six game. So. Uh, Saturday's game, uh, the loss, the, fir- the first loss of the weekend for the Cajuns, uh, 6-9 loss to Texas A&M. Texas A&M goes up early, jumps on the Cajuns real quick. Um, I- I'm going to have to go back and look at everything uh, because I've got to believe, I mean, the Cajuns let a lot of runs go early in early innings, the first or second inning. And I'm wondering how many of those, I, I know, the number of runs scored versus the number of runs given up in the first inning were almost equal, but I have to believe the, the number of runs scored against had to have been in the majority of their losses. So, um, but a 6-9 game, like I said, Texas A&M gets up early four, but I did, again, I never felt like the Cajuns were out of it. I mean, there's something about this team and – I'm sorry to bring this up, but we saw it kind of in the championship game of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. They've got something there that they they never gave up. You know, it was just a, a, just a, a strange game. Uh, were you able to watch much of that game on Saturday evening? Or was that one – that was when you guys were playing your second game or – Yeah, we had a almost a three-hour delay before the Notre Dame game, so we didn't get started until a little bit after 8 o'clock. It kept getting moved. We thought it was going to be 5, then 7, then it turned out to be 8, but we had the stat broadcast up and we were talking about it during pitches. But you're, you just find out – and I know you guys have more experience recently with regionals than Georgia Southern does, but – you find out pretty quickly how thin the margin for error is. And when you get chances to either get out of innings or produce run scoring innings, if you don't take full advantage, it's going to come back to get you. And that's, that's what happened to the Eagles in Notre Dame. They're up four to two going into the seventh and Notre Dame ends up tying it. They end up getting the decisive runs on a couple of hit by pitches with the bases loaded and two out. Georgia Southern has two on in the eighth inning with nobody out, but they go strike out, strike out, ground out. They just couldn't move runners over. They just didn't get that big hit like they'd gotten a couple of innings before. And then it's the same thing everywhere. It'd be Texas State's probably thinking they're in good shape, but if they would have gotten just one more run or they would have kept that inning going just a little bit, maybe you don't have to worry about Stanford rallying for three in the ninth inning for Coastal. If you do a little bit more in the early innings instead of letting East Carolina build the 4 nothing lead, they got it back to 4-2. to two thanks to a lucky home run, a home run by Nick Lucky, not a lucky home run. Yeah. <laughs> but to, be, to be able to, to, to take full advantage of whatever's in front of you, that that's what separates a team that gets to the regionals and a team that can keep playing in the Supers and get to Omaha. But teams like East Carolina, Texas Tech, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, TCU, they're battle-tested because they've been there before and they know, they know what those situations are like because of that experience. And for our squads, we just got to hope that we keep getting back there and maybe that experience will pay dividends down the line. I think it will. I mean, the, the final, you brought up the, uh, the opportunities missed and 
that's really what happened on Sunday with the Cajuns. Uh, you know, once with the bases loaded, no out. Second time, uh, uh, bases loaded, one out and fail, I believe, in both of those situations. I think the first one, we actually did score a run. That's how we scored the first run. But we still had the bases loaded after scoring a run with no outs and didn't capitalize on that. But, you know, it's one of those things, and I think this is a good opportunity to move into uh, Georgia Southern's regional uh, veteran team. And I think that's what you saw around the country with Texas State. Some of these guys, the you know, uh, going back to the A&M regional, I really thought TCU was the better ball club. But that's here nor there, Texas State won and show that they uh, – and they won it on the field. So, my opinion doesn't mean squat in that. But uh, Georgia Southern, veteran team there. Um, I know Coach is probably not going to come out and say it, but you think there was any regret not playing the earlier game on Friday? No. Okay. No, no, I don't think there's anything. To, I, think, I think that the one thing that they were set on was just being able to – well, Gray, they couldn't have – figured how the weather was going to be right and they that one's you just got to play because the the storm that hit was a pop-up it was not in the forecast we, we thought that we were going to be fine that's part of the reason why they were okay doing what they did and then having to come back 10 o'clock on saturday and then having to play eight o'clock on saturday and i know that's a long day even though yeah. they're in the regional for the first time in eight years but they wanted that late slot thinking that they'd be able to showcase the program get the biggest crowds possible because you never hosted a regional before but even so, all three games had at least 2,100. The Notre Dame game set a, a record for the ballpark with more than 3,500. It's it, it's a it's a moment and a couple of memories that I'll always have. But yeah, that was that was one that was never never really in question. No, and, and, and Coach Robichaud spoke about the same thing because I I asked him on several occasions when we were hosting if if there was any thought to playing the earlier game to get done earlier for the next day, and he said no, not really because. He felt he owed it to the university and to the fans to have the most people there uh, to, to see, his, see his team play. So, so no, I, I was just curious uh, on your thoughts and everything on that. Uh, and I did not know about the weather. You know, I didn't realize that was a pop-up. Um, how was the heat this weekend for you guys? It was – South Georgia in June, but it wasn't overbearing. We're still a couple of weeks away from 95 to 99 every day where you're just searching for water or even a little bit of a breeze. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. But it it was it was hot, definitely on the field, but it wasn't as overbearing as it could have been. Yeah, Texas and College Station, you know, it was 96 on, on Sunday. And, I, and 96 is hot, don't get me wrong, but it, it wasn't the humidity that we have in South Louisiana. So it wasn't one of those things uh, that you that you were just like dripping and, and although our our players in, in TCU's I remember watching their catcher his whole backside was just wet I mean it, 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 there was nothing you could do I mean I, I you and I both were, were catchers and stuff growing up and everything but I tell you man those guys that play at this level to catch 50 60 games and to go at it this long for three months, in a, in a season, uh, amazing, amazing athletes. So, uh, so I'm, I messed up. We, we've been hopping around a lot, which I didn't, I guess I didn't mess up. So Notre Dame four, six game. I mean, all your games 
four six and then and then one three on, on uh, the final game on Sunday. Um, opportunities there for your team? Oh yeah, oh this the being the Notre Dame game. Noah Ledford hits one of the more dramatic home runs I've seen in that park, and the sound that the thirty five hundred plus made was pretty awesome. It was only in the third inning, and it was one nothing. Notre Dame ends up going back ahead, but Georgia Southern scores three runs to go back ahead. They get three runs with two outs in the top of the sixth. Uh, Sammy Blancato ties the game with a single. Kyler Holkren, bases loaded single, brings in two. Another one of those roar of the crowd, which probably goes in one of the top moments I think I've had since I got here. But Notre Dame showed why they were a super team last year. They got a two-run home run to tie the game, and then they got those two runs on those hit-by-pitches. In the seventh and the eighth, the Eagles had two guys on, couldn't score. They go one, two, three in the ninth. And you felt like if they could have gotten that game, I think you got a pretty good sense of being able to win the region. But then what are you going to do with your pitching? Since Hayden Harris was supposed to start against Notre Dame, but in his final warm-up tosses, he suffered an injury. And they tried to get him loosened up right before to see if he was just dealing with something nagging, if he could have worked through it but it was decided that he couldn't go. So Ben Johnson in about a snap of the fingers worth of notice has to get ready. And he was pretty solid. Goes three and two thirds, just over 60 pitches. He held Notre Dame in check for as long as he could have considering the situation. I thought it was a heck of an effort and felt for Harris because fifth year senior, he didn't get a chance to pitch in the regional. I know he really wanted to being that it was the only time he was going to experience one. And even with that going into Texas tech the next day, what are you going to do with your pitching? Because Jalen Payton had thrown out of the bullpen in that Notre Dame game. So you go to Danny Madden, who was really good for three innings. He had fastball command. He was striking guys out with his changeup, but he lost that command in the fourth inning. The first four guys got on. They ended up scoring three runs in the inning. And then Georgia Southern had a couple of guys on in the seventh, a couple of guys on in the eighth. Couldn't figure a way to get anything else across. Texas Tech made every play imaginable on defense. And Georgia Southern had more hits. They only gave up four hits. They hit the ball harder, but they just they made every play that they could have. And the game ends with Jason Swan flying out to left, the fifth year senior, and his final at bat in that ballpark. And then it was kind of a, a somber feeling there for a couple of moments. But as the team was gathering in the dugout, third base side, they all come out at once and they all tip their caps. And that was a that was an awesome moment to be able to see the appreciation the fans had for them, not just for the weekend, but for everything that they had done the entire year. But Definitely sad to see a fifth-year senior end the season with his final at bat, but I think you're you're seeing now what it's going to take for Georgia Southern to to be able to compete with teams like that and be able to stay in this kind of discussion going forward. Uh, lots of visiting fans. Yeah, yeah. Notre Dame traveled really well. Texas Tech traveled really well. Greensboro was only there for a day and a half because they they didn't get to play until Saturday, and then when they lost that first game to Georgia Southern after Ty Fisher threw the shutout. They had to come back right after to play Texas Tech in an elimination game. They get shut out again. They lose 2 nothing. So they were only there for a hot second. But the fans that they brought, they were they were into it. They were passionate. And that, that that's what you really want to see, especially as a first-time host. You want to be able to create that atmosphere, not just from your people. And I think that the other three fan bases did that too. That's awesome. Uh, let's uh... – Let's just talk about a little bit in general about college baseball. Um, if I did my math right, uh, 11 of the 16 regionals went to an if necessary game. Uh, I, I think that's awesome that it's not chalk. 
you know, uh, and, and, and you had some upsets. Um, it, it, it just, it showed, you know, with, with even, you know, with Texas state, even though they, they lost, I mean, it showed that, uh, baseball is a game. Like you said, I think football, the bigger boys can wear you down. They just, they're deeper, they're stronger, they're, they're faster in a lot of ways, but baseball is a game. You can't run out the clock. You got to play to the end. I mean, what are your thoughts on just, you know, baseball in general, I guess, at this level and what, what, what happened over the, uh, over the last four days? I think that's a lot of the reason why people that run the option or face the option have two very distinct opinions on it. Because if you have the ball, you love it because the other team can't get it. But at the same time, if you can't stop an 18 or a 20 play drive, that takes 10 minutes. You're, Oh, I can't stand this offense This is a high school offense. This is outdated or whatever. And then with basketball teams that want to play in the fifties and sixties and don't want to face teams that run, have 70, 80 possessions a game score, 80, 90 points baseball. You can't do it. Baseball. You got to get your 27 outs. You yeah. got to find a way to get your 27 outs or whatever outs you may need if it goes extra innings. So to to pitch, to defend, to stay mentally keyed in, because baseball is one of those sports where there is buildup before every single moment. Football has what well, used to have the huddle. Hardly anybody huddles anymore. So there's not really much time to breathe. Basketball is so fast paced. You're just waiting for the ball to go out of bounds or somebody to go to the free throw line. But baseball, there is that natural 30-second pause, pitch, action, pitch, action, pitch, action. You can literally lock in for every moment that is about to come up. And you don't know what it is, but you've got to be mentally locked in. And at this stage of the game, with teams that play at this high of a level, one slip could mean your season. One. Yeah. Did you guys see the the pitch clock come into any – any? Uh, did it come into effect, I guess? Yeah, yeah, there were a lot of pitch clock warnings, but the first time all season that we had seen umpires actually debit balls to a team, we saw it twice in the first game between Notre Dame and Texas Tech. You had the four-man umpiring crew. It's the third base umpire's job to keep track of that, and multiple times he would come in, call time. If it was the second morning, he would flash the new count to the plate umpire. That would be communicated from the plate umpire to the press box. So they were, they were sticklers for it. They were on it, I, I think, a lot of the year. We saw how loose it was, just depending on who was who was in charge of calling yep. the game. But this is another thing. When you're getting to regional, super regional play, umpires are here for a reason. They're going to enforce the rules. They're going to be by the book. So if you've been a little bit lax on that and you didn't get burned for it, you get to this point, you get burned for it, you're thinking, what happened? Well, it's always been there. It's just that now it's properly enforced. Yeah, I think we saw, we saw it two times during the regular season that balls were issued. But at the same time, I the games this weekend. Uh, now I wasn't there for all. I was all for there for all the Cajuns game, but I only saw one warning, which uh, uh, which which I thought was good. That meant and, and and there was really no slowdown in place. So I thought I thought it was well officiated. But for the first time, I noticed the guy. I think uh, I think we were talking in uh, Montgomery. They they wear a buzzer on their side piece on the side of their yeah. hip. So uh, I saw him reaching there, and I guess I don't know if he was starting the clock or, or if, if somebody else held the clock or how that worked, but it was very interesting to watch out that at play now that you know what you're looking for, I guess. And maybe next year, 
it's now that we've had a season of this emphasis, maybe it it will be easier to get ready for it where you're naturally, okay, it's two minute clock in between innings. It's a 20 second pitch clock. If you're on, I, I hope they get rid of the step off and the fake the throw, because I don't, I don't see that there's any need for it. It seems like it's more for dramatic effect. If you're going to step off, just step off. You don't need to fake the throw. Yeah. I, I think that that's something that they will look at, but it's got to take until the next rule cycle. That wouldn't take place until after the 23 season, but at least for next year, if you get mornings fine, but just, be ready to go and don't drag the game out for no reason. There is a conference. I won't mention their name, but I find their games almost unwatchable or in the past unwatchable because they all seem to be four and five hour games. I'm going like, you know, and in and, and, and MLB, my complaint about them is it's all the damn commercials, but in college baseball, you don't have that, but you've got a, a coach coming out. He, it's like, all right, you knew your guy was getting hit, but you didn't take him out the inning before. But in between innings, it's like the coach wants TV time too out there, and he's got to pull his guy in the middle of a freaking inning. Nothing more pisses me off. So, all right, that was a little rant. Let's end on a positive, positive note, unless you want to go on a rant. <laughs> you 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 hear my rants enough. <laughs> so, um, like I said, positive at the at the. Season's over with now for all our Sunbelt teams. Anybody stand out, whether it's your team or another team, you'd like to, you know, kind of give a little shout out to. And, uh, you know, whether it's playing hard, put up some great performances, anything you want to close out. This, I know we didn't talk about it, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot, and and you're looking at me like you're, you're, you're nuts, but uh, I am. You know I that. Anyway. I do that anyway. So – Anybody, I mean, I, like I said, if it's just some guys on your team, I know, you know, just anybody you want to give a little shout out there at the end. Uh, if starting with Georgia Southern specifically, just getting back to 40 wins, having won this many games since 2009, never hosted a regional, been so many people put in so many hours to get the park ready. And now that it's been done and now that the bid was put in because a bid had never been put in before to host, there's never been really a chance to host like this. It, it'll make it easier going forward. There's there's expansion plans that are kind of on the table and softball is also in the renovation discussion as well within the next few years, but that's while an indoor practice facility is getting built at football and a convocation center is getting built across town for men's and women's basketball. But to see this team, you, you come back and win games 25 times. We thought it was the most in the country from the research that we did. It, it's easily the most in the last decade and a half. and they just they they continued to find ways to make us believe in them. Not the most talented team that Rodney Hennon has had, but the whole group and the way that everybody bought into each other and they bought into that message. It was it was a wonderful thing to watch, and that's what makes me sad is that I'll never get to watch that team play again. I'll always have memories of that team. Never watch Christian Avan. Never watch Jason Swan, Noah Cersei, Austin Thompson, Hayden Harris, Parker Beatty. Won't get a chance to see them at J.I. Clemens anymore, but you, you always get the memories because of they never believed they were out of a game. And the stat that we found that stayed true the last two months of the season, outside of that 5-1 loss at Teague-Moore Field on April 3rd, Georgia Southern didn't lose another game this season by more than two runs. They were yes. in every single game. And you think that sometimes somebody is going to pick you up. 
it's going to be somebody's night. It's not going to be your night, but it just didn't happen. The Eagles were right there every game for the rest of the season. And they've won some games this year that ordinarily they wouldn't have. Otherwise, some of those teams like a 17 and 19 of last year would have been 40 win teams this year. They won those games. Lo and behold, you've got your 41 wins and you've got momentum going into the off season. I'll, I'll always have an appreciation for Ty Fisher and he's going to come back next year. He's only a sophomore. So he'll have one more year, but to see him get injured against UCF line drive breaks, two bones in his nose, breaks an orbital bone. He's out for three weeks and a day, his first start back. He goes up to Boone for seven innings, one run. And then in the tournament, he throws a four-hit shutout. It's just the the his career could have been over. His life could have been turned upside down. But he needed these guys. These guys needed him. It was an amazing addition, a lot like Jesse Sherrill was for the offense, just so meaningful in a number of different ways. I'll, I'll miss that about this team, and I hope that Ty can have similar, if not better, success once he comes back in 23. But across the league, Seems like the Cajuns are getting closer to be backing to the standard where they're accustomed to winning the tournament championship is a great start and doing that for the first time in six years. It seems like Coastal is on its way back after a couple of down years, a team that won a national championship six years ago. So certain things are expected in Conway and there are certain standards that Gary Gilmore has laid down in nearly three decades there. And you can't be talking about this league unless you bring up what Texas State did this year by far the best season in program history. They shattered their single season win total. They were a bear to handle offensively. They had two of the best pitchers and probably the league's best closer in Tristan Stivers. I'm expecting a little bit more out of South Alabama, Georgia State, and ULM going into next year. And also, how are the other teams going to fit in? How is a Southern Miss going to fit in? Are they going to run the league like they've run Conference USA? They're going to a super. They're going to get a chance to host the super. It's probably going to be against Ole Miss. So maybe that's the place to be this coming weekend. That's going to be absolutely crazy. An old Dominion team that a year ago was a one seed, went to a super, just missed the tournament this year. James Madison is a solid program. Marshall's probably a couple of years away. They need to get their stadium built on campus first. I know that's been in the works for a while. But those are things you've got to contend with. And in Georgia Southern's case, those three, three of those teams are in the East Division. So they're going to see those teams maybe more so than the Cajuns will. But on the other side, you played Southern Miss in non-conference series. Now you've got them that'll count for league standings. And Georgia Southern will see them, I would imagine, here and there. But you saw a, a year that the league needed to get four teams in before you add teams that would have helped the profile anyway. I mean, next year, I don't know if it's out of the question for the Sun Belt to get five teams. It, it's uh, it'll be very interesting to see. You know, you, you could think about a league because if South comes back where they usually are, you may look at a team, a league that could get five teams. Uh, I, I think the thing that will hurt uh, the Cajuns, Troy, and South Alabama, Southern Miss is a team that we traditionally play in non-conference which is a strong non-conference RPI game, we have to make sure that we go out and schedule other games that are just as strong as South Al uh, Southern Miss uh, games are were. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely, it, it, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, uh, lastly, the only thing I'll say is uh, just a, a shout out to all of the seniors, uh, Guys, uh, no matter what team you're on, 
it uh it's just the nature of the beast that that these these guys are here four years you know you expect your pro players to move on and you know it's not it's not anymore where johnny bench is going to spend you know 14 seasons or 13 seasons with the reds or you know it, it's not that in college baseball and i think to that is the hardest part uh about it but i think the nice part is you know i, I saw um three former Cajun dads that were Texas A&M grads, but wearing Cajun gear at our game against Texas A&M, you know? So it's just, uh, it's, it's a, it's a hard time of the year finishing it out, but for those guys that play and if they played their last, uh, last game in a, in a uniform, no matter what team you are, it's on, it's hard to uh, it's hard to say goodbye sometimes to those guys. So we had our final our year end podcast uh, inside Eagle Nation just last night, and Colin and I have always talked that the one that follows the conference tournament is usually the saddest one because, well, a lot of times it's Georgia Southern losing in the championship game, <laughs> and you're yeah. having to try to recap the year and recap the whole athletic year. And then you're not having anything firm until you get to the fall for the next football season. This year was was different, even after the title game loss, to know that you were going to be going to the regional and even better to find out on the ride home that you were hosting the regional and to see the administration and everybody pitch in to actually pull it off. The NCAA had really good things to say about the atmosphere and the commitment that Statesboro had shown. And look, if something crazy would have happened up in Rocky Top where Campbell or Georgia Tech would have won that region, Georgia Southern had a bid in to host a Super. Now, that would have been beyond anybody's wildest dream, even short of Omaha. But to get that first win against Greensboro, to get into the winner's bracket and to see the place host the biggest crowd that it's ever seen, I know it it came up short, but it's proof that that's how it can be a lot more than – just playing for a championship or just playing in an NCAA tournament. And I hope it's that way even more so going forward. And I even bring that up after a year in the regular season where Georgia Southern set attendance records. They had the highest average attendance in the history of J.I. Clements Stadium. But Rodney Hennon mentioned multiple times in his postgame comments that this program has momentum now. They took the next step by getting back, even bigger of a step by hosting but you've got to be able to use that momentum in the best way for the program by somehow being even better once 23 gets here. You know, it, it, it's there. I believe there's 296 or 97 division one schools, only 64 of them got to play in June. And, even, you know, and only one of them is going to come out, with their last game as a win. So uh, lots to be proud about in the Sun Belt. Uh, Jay and I will hopefully wrap up the the Cajun season either at the end of this week or early next week, Uh, and not just uh, baseball, but the whole athletic season. But hopefully I can make it through that one without uh, tearing up there because I'm going to miss some of these guys. going to miss a lot of them. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I know. Thanks, Danny. Stop making me cry now, prick. <laughs> well, Danny, I appreciate uh, all year long you coming on. Of course. Uh, look forward to talking to you in the fall. Maybe we can talk a little bit more often on the football scene. So uh, it's uh, 
it's a good time to be in the Sun Belt, kind of quite honestly. Yeah, yeah, and I hope that the new schools that come in realize just how special this league is and how good the people are, and maybe it can be even better. But I've I've enjoyed getting to talk each week, and I appreciate you having me on. Sounds good. For Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Sports Network, I'm Craig Malasson. You've been listening to We're Talking. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.